should have seen me in the movie theater. Uh huh. When Lady Gaga is singing and it cuts from her singing to Bradley Cooper's character singing. The oh my God. I lost it, dude. I lost it. I was bawling like a child. Uh, but no, like it was, it was an emotional scene for sure. But it just, it lacked that, like that, like it was a punch emotionally. The music, great. Yeah, yes, of course. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, but, but like you can't just end on that. That's like you know, like ba ba da ba da ba ba, and then that's like that's the kind of ending that the movie had emotionally. It was like, okay, you're just gonna leave me with like. Lady Gaga swearing to never love again. It's like, oh, that's it. What a way to end the movie, though. Like, you don't need. Okay, first of all, it's her acting debut as well. Right. No, 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 it was great. Her to end the movie like that. That's all you need. Like, if I could have more movies end with Mm. Lady Gaga singing, I'm okay with it. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's again, it is a choice. It is an ending. I, I wouldn't say it's the best ending, but it's like I wanted more, I guess, in terms of like a story, because like story-wise, I, I just wanted, you know, an ending. Almost like every story needs an introduction. Welcome to the <laughs> fourth episode, part two part of the two, local level podcast. Uh I am Vicente Lopez. A man with neuroticism, and this is... <laughs> I'm Christopher Collins, a man with a microphone. Episode four, part one. Uh, can you believe it? Like, we made a two-part episode. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I... I I feel like we we hit a... Uh, we hit a milestone for our podcast. Right. Like, uh... <laughs> I, I don't know why Moby Dick is coming to mind. Like, they didn't okay. segment the book... Did they? I, I never know. I never tried to read it. I just know it's about a whale. There you go. And I was like the whale two segments for whatever reason. And this was <laughs> that pod two segments of the whale. You, you got to listen to it. All, Can of you course, stop like, with the whale analogy? Like, I don't even think it, you know I've where only you're had going. One. <laughs> I've only had one. It, you, got, you can't eat a whale in one bite, Christopher. I'm you got to <laughs> segment it up into different sections. And that's what we did for you, listener. We were segmenting it so where you can digest the whale. It makes sense. They get it. Sure. Sure, it does. They sure, it does. It. Hey, but you know that there, there are going to be those people who... Mm-hmm. um to quote Alfred from Batman, uh, there are some men who just want to watch the world burn. They're going to just jump into part two. They're, they're going to see part one. They're going to be mm-hmm. like, mm, and then just click on part two and start listening. So <laughs> if you are just joining us uh, in part two, you need to go back and listen to episode four, part one, uh, our interview with Chris DeLeon. Um, because God, there's just, there's so much as he was explaining what it was like for him in the local scene, I got incredibly, incredibly nostalgic and I need to set the record straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to set the record straight. I made a comment in the episode about how my band was not good. Mm. I, first of all, I'm interested to know if those members are listening to the pod because none of them have reached out to me. Um, but I want to clarify, we were good. We were young. So, so we started a band called for those who are heroes in like 2011, I want to say 2011, maybe 2010 even. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, your, your 
at local band we were heavily influenced by like hardcore music like post hardcore like mm-hmm. um i don't Nickelback. know like a, a day to remember oh my god can you can you stop <laughs> early no, dude, with your whales and your nickelback <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing in the relatability okay like all right we i'm just heavily, trying to get a vibe we were heavily influenced by uh bands like a day to remember and things like that and mm-hmm. um we we it's not that like we we were overly confident because we we weren't but mm-hmm. we we knew that we had potential like we knew that yeah. we had potential because we were young so we mm-hmm. weren't this band that started off like incredible, um, but we played uh, a lot of shows like we played at the at the peak of us performing, you know, at the VFW and, and around Edinburgh and around the Valley. We were playing yeah. almost every weekend and it was fantastic, like just to just to put you into you know, the perspective of someone walking into the VFW, you walk in and it's this just grungy grimy place with Mm -hmm. very patriotic art on the walls uh there's a bar there john the owner of the vfw was the most incredible guy um and uh one time i had a conversation with him and i asked him you know why like why throw shows at a vfw and he's like well if um you know young kids are going to go out and get into trouble i would rather them get in trouble in here with adult supervision so we can try to stop mm-hmm. them from getting in too much trouble and i thought that that was really cool and really powerful so yeah shouts out to john for sure. uh for the for the uh for opening up the vfw uh out in uh out in mccowan and you know like we mentioned in the episode it's a it's a furniture store now oh, which is really well sad. quick clarification uh could you could you explain what a vfw is in the first place like i know now because my wife told me but i initially thought it was like you know how america's funniest home videos has an acronym i thought that was an acronym for like <laughs> the kind of housing store it was but yeah. she's like no it's not that it's, <laughs> it's, it's just different it's essentially it's a bar for veterans yeah um and so while young kids were playing heavy metal music you had veterans in the corner drinking and talking and supporting one another. So it was really, really rad because sometimes they would get into the music and sometimes they would just like stare like, why the hell are you letting this happen, John? <laughs> uh, which was, which was awesome. But dude, <laughs> I still have footage from the first for those who are heroes show at the VFW. I have footage from our first show ever at La Via high school. Dude, our first show was at La Via high school. We were oh, yeah? four songs into the set. And I kid you not, when I tell you that the promoter walked right up to me and asked, are you guys almost done? Like it was, it was just this crushing, this soul crushing moment because (laughs) we, we did not start off that good. But by the time we started playing the VFW um, and, and uh, you know, around McAllen and we played uh, fallback records when the fallback was open, God, (laughs) dude, these shows, like I'm getting chills right now to take you to these shows chris mentions uh in in part one that right you felt like you were on top of the world when you played to a local crowd because yeah there was just there was this give and take and there was this uh togetherness you know like i've got footage from some of these shows where like um 
people are like moshing and people are moving yeah yeah dude it's just it was an incredible experience and i know tell me the yeah yeah, tell me the quality of of the video if you don't mind because i i saw some of these videos you're talking about on youtube and it's like 360p (laughs) but you you can see like ass Dude. No, I mean it was it was the time. I get it, exactly. but it was yeah, like you exactly. in spite of the pixelation, it's in, in spite of the screen tearing, like you can feel the the like mustiness, but unity that is brought within that mustiness. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it is definitely just a scene where everyone gets the same feeling, and the yeah. music is kind of the driving force behind that, and For you're sure. just showcasing that. And like you're all like this collective of just like punching dudes that are just like yeah listening to sick music. And and that's the thing, like no one knows your songs, no one knows, you know, what the hell you're saying up there, unless you're a band that's put out a record, but we put out a quote unquote record and sold mm-hmm. copies to our parents. That's it. Um, <laughs> but it was it was more just about being like you mentioned, like being in the moment, being together and supporting local music and i know that if any music scene can survive covid it is going to be uh the the music scene down here in the rgv like it's going to reemerge. it hopefully won't take too long but as soon as i know as soon as we get the green light to throw shows and everyone feels safe i mean i think shows are going to come back with with a vengeance and people got an itch yeah it's been way too long i mean as we mentioned in an earlier episode it's been way too long since shows have happened Mm -hmm. at at least in the u.s i mean uh, i keep getting jealous of new zealand i mean i'm sure you've seen like footage of like you know i i look at it on twitter different artists are allowed to go there and since they have no cases they're just like oh hey we're no one has masks everyone's chilling having a great time saying that I wanted it so long and so it just seems like a magical place and the artists say it themselves I think it was like Earth Gang had performed there last year like Uh when things were still rough for everyone they're like yeah there's they don't have any cases so we're just gonna perform there it's insanity but to get to that point shining beacon yeah the only downside is you're going to New Zealand which is not Australia so I mean, that's that's really the the only downside to that. Wait, what's the difference? Or like, like dude, rather, like, what is the downside? New Zealand is like the the stepchild compared to like Australia. Come on, what like, do, you can't you... compare the two. What? Uh, no, listen, no, no. I don't want to offend our listeners in New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> Kiwis, but New uh, what are you talking about? No, no, no. Okay, you go to Australia, you get giant spiders and death. Like you get. <laughs> The big monsters that want to destroy you. <laughs> Time out right here. Uh, in Australia, the toilet water spins backwards. What's wrong with that? I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm saying it's perfect. Yeah. Like you're listing all the negative things about Australia. And I'm telling no, no, you, they... I would fly out tonight if given the opportunity just to watch toilet mm-hmm. water spin backwards. Odd goals, but I respect you. Thank I you. think that like it has that opera house, right? Uh, yes, Finding the, Nemo, the Sydney Opera House. Okay, right. You. Filmed in Australia. Yeah. Uh, what else do they have? Uh, Did you say Finding Nemo was filmed in Australia? Was it not? Prove me wrong. Tell me, tell me that there wasn't the camera well, crew behind it. Okay, <laughs> prove me wrong. How do prove I? Prove me wrong. How do I break? <laughs> Give this me evidence, you, my friend. How do I? <laughs> 
like okay am i like they they have stuff going for them it's mostly animal related but not all animals are friendly in that respect and that that's i guess what i'm honing in on new zealand they they had lord of the rings and and like and, that was, and what else and what else it looks it looks neat they have the it maori is. culture yeah very very neat i'm sorry they both, new zealand it's okay my, i forgive my you on behalf of <laughs> new zealand you need to come now, down off that mountain both both of them have respectable cultures but to sum up our conversation here the local scene will come back <laughs> we will get back to in person shows and it's something i'm looking forward to for sure yeah uh, just to like there. get punched in the face by a dude that has like not moisturize his elbows in yeah. months like i'm looking Wait, forward to it hold on hold on hold on i do need to i also want to clarify something else okay. when i laughed at you for going to a breaking benjamin concert <laughs> i meant to laugh harder i'm so sorry uh, oh okay so sorry. i meant me. to laugh harder. no i i should say though that like these bands um that are more mainstream mm-hmm. their pits are from what i've seen they're typically more violent uh right and there's less less i guess regulation in these pits Mm -hmm. uh because i mean you get some like tall white trash uh corn fed boy in the middle of a mosh pit man like he's he's gonna do some damage i once saw a guy at uh the van's warp tour literally Mm -hmm. probably like six i don't know i was really young and short at the time probably like six four six five literally Mm -hmm. grabbed a small kid by the shoulders and just punched him in the face as soon as the first note hit and i was like okay this is this is what's going down so like you (laughs) don't woke up and chose violence (laughs) just grabbed a kid exactly it was so messed up man but anyway i i'm I'm not gonna knock you for being in a in a breaking benjamin pit because i'm sure it really was intense First of all, you were into Breaking Benjamin at one point. Whether I, it was honestly, watching the, <laughs> I heard the Diary of like, Jane like one yes. time, and I was just like, mm. like no, it's not my cup of tea. No. Not, okay, not all right, me. well, all right, listeners, I'm I'm thinking back to the Halo three days when you're looking at the AMV for what Diary of Jane and all the other like songs where like Master Chief, he's getting a multi-kill in the background and you're just listening oh to the God. AMV. Like, like think back to that time. Like it, it was a different mindset and think of a, a stadium filled with those <laughs> like-minded people Jesus. and you're going to get a, a mosh fit. And it was sick. It wasn't yeah. like the, the most hardcore of shows, like your Nickelback shows you're talking about, but the, the one <laughs> <laughs> like it was in its own right mm-hmm. really really fun <laughs> I, I rest my case oh my god you bring up halo 3 and now i'm thinking now i'm thinking about video games dude yeah yes and that was the the second topic that we delved into uh with chris himself in you know the ridiculous way that he got involved in the video game industry of yeah. course him being competitively involved in video games and then ascending to, <laughs> to make just that. Gordon, like I cannot yeah. stress enough the ridiculousness that is being able to not only work with him but also be produced in a sense in those games that he's so well known for, and that really got me thinking about you know what purpose mm-hmm. do video games 
set for like myself and for other people because everyone has like a different purpose for playing video games yeah and so that's that was something that i was wondering and like for me d- depending on the game some of them i like to to you know have fun with and just, just super easy breezy like uh-huh. i'm kind of ousting myself but genshin impact like it's you know something fun it's a mobile game it's like oh i didn't know you, that was a video game i thought you were just like just had a mouth fart or something right now if you know know random syllables oh i could just continue to say random syllables and we'll be fine that will fill the whole 30 minutes with that but um like i play that for fun i don't play it to to get super competitive but other games like say for example mortal Kombat or fighting games like when chris was talking about that don't bring up don't bring up mortal (laughs) Kombat to me like you need to let the listeners know right now about the one time i oh the the arena with your face in mortal Kombat. Wait, what this is revisionist history you can't no there no no history is determined time, by the winners there was one time <laughs> that i beat you man and i i just i i loved it like highlight of one of the highlights of my life okay listener for clarification lies and slander dude there was the one time don't even lie there was one time <laughs> no, that no, i no. beat you no, and you're every saying other one time, time that is one round. No, it was one <laughs> entire match. match. It was one entire match. It had to, it was one entire match. And there were witnesses there as well. Okay, we will confirm okay. anyway, <laughs> with them sorry. at a later time. You you the, had the, a question. You had a question that you were you were getting to. Right. Um the, the question, like say for example, Mortal Kombat. The the reason that I get into video games like that is I, I fixate on games that I pick up. And like Mortal Kombat X, I, I remember back in the day when, when it came out and I was like, okay, I'm going to play it. It looks fun for the story. And then I spent an entire weekend learning the combos for every single character that I could. And I just like did not stop playing it. And yeah. I feel bad because like if I get invited to play, like not, I'm, I'm not trying to brag. I'm not saying I'm the best player at all. But yeah. like when you learn combos and you're facing against like your your little siblings or your little cousins, they're like, oh, let's just play a game. It's like it, it doesn't get fun for them. And I, yeah. I think you like you, you steal the innocence that. like you just you <laughs> you just you love to watch the smile just like get wiped from their face. No, but it, I mean, that's part of it, but it's mostly about like the, the satisfying that's nature sick. of like the combos when it like when it goes God. through and. It, and there beating is someone who is, you know, less than half of your age and is not able to, you know, articulate their thoughts in a sophisticated manner because they're a child. Look, look, look. Some lessons are best learned the hard way. And, oh and what God. better way to, the to world express? Sucks. Let me let me beat you in this video game. In a video game where it is it's a safe space. This video game is a metaphor for your for the next 60, 70 years of your life. It, it may be rated M for mature, but we're, we're all learning life lessons that everyone can apply to every <laughs> any state of life. Uh, but, but back to the question, like, I guess, what purpose do video games set for you? Like, what is the reason that you play a game or pick it up? What are you yeah. looking for when you get into games? Um, so I, I think that's changed uh, throughout the years. I mean, there were some really, really important video games uh, mm-hmm. throughout my life. There were really important video games that I picked up throughout my life. Uh, probably the most important video game 
ever to me was uh guitar hero 2 guitar hero 2 was what inspired me to pick up a real guitar that's why and that that just kind of uh uh snowballed into you know me playing music and and things like that so i have to say that that's the most important video game to me so what purpose do they serve i think when i was younger it was just hey you know after school i'm super bored you know uh let's play nazi zombies on call of duty which was super super fun like last nostalgia yeah i have no idea what that's like now um but that was weird yeah yeah it's gotten weird like it's gone down like a few like rabbit holes from what i hear like i stopped playing it after like call of duty 20 but like you know it just it gets really like oh now the zombies are you know whatever (laughs) like it there's only so many iterations you can make but like i i get it at that first like milestone it's just like it's it's all new a ray gun that's crazy or like mystery box like it it was all nuanced at the time now it's kind of like you know it's it's seen the the corner a few too many times but like it's just now yeah looking back when initially things came out so much fun to just dive in to jay garces and all the times we were playing nazi zombies before shows before going and playing shows at the bfw (laughs) and then also i think before prom as well we just decided to play nazi zombies for like (laughs) two hours before prom so that was super super cool um Okay, so as I've grown older, I, I think I look m- more for because you asked like what purpose they serve mm-hmm. now. Now I dive into video games, and I really hope this is answering your question. I dive in for more of a narrative now, whereas yeah. before it was just it was just entertainment, like pure entertainment. Yeah. It didn't have to be a specific type of video game. Uh, it could be an RPG. It could be you know a first person shooter, whatever. Uh, now I look for for narratives. Um, I mean, my favorite, my favorite, favorite franchise of all time is Bioshock. Uh, mm, just because mm-hmm. I love the narrative. And I know the narrative is not for everyone. And I'm sure there are a lot of plot holes and, and things like that. But I just I love that franchise. I thought the first and the second one were just so immaculate. And then Bioshock Infinite right. was was such a good follow up to to, uh, to those two. Yeah, which is rare for yeah. sequels. Uh, typically, like definitely, I mean, look at zombies, right? Like it's, it's the yeah. same thing over and over again, which is great. But they had to reiterate, and Bioshock Infinite did just that in its own freaky way. Yeah. That still like super impactful as a as a series. Go for it. What was your uh, What was your first video game? Like your first memory of your first video game? Oh, okay. So that's really interesting. Uh, shout out to my parents for making me. Uh, but my first <laughs> memory of the video game is uh, them playing Super Mario. Uh-huh. Or I think it was Super Mario. I honestly get like kind of confused with the naming because there's so many of them. Yeah, but yeah. it was on the either SNES. I think it was the SNES. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. But okay. uh, SNES. They would just like they got the the game and then they would just mm-hmm. continuously play it when when me and my brother were super little and i remember them just like playing it at night like of Aww. course like being with us and playing with us but also you know they're like oh, want to pass the game <laughs> like they had this this fixation of That's wanting to awesome. beat the levels and like taking turns and helping each other out and so like i know they they gave me flack 
in my my teenage years but i was like you brought this upon yourself for (laughs) for introducing me to video games at such a young age so that's like i guess the first like concrete memory of video games and it just like obviously has not let up since and just super influential just for the listeners like you have to understand where where vicente is coming from he is a huge huge gamer so to now know because i never knew this to now know that it was passed down to you, even though like your parents might not be like extreme gamers, but they were very right. committed to Mario. Yes. Uh, that's awesome to see that connection. So it didn't just like happen out of nowhere. It came from your environment, like your direct yeah. environment. You watched exactly. your parents play Mario. Therefore you are now, you know, heavily, heavily involved in the, in the world of video games. Like I, I will, will go to you if I ever have video game questions or if i ever want to kick some ass in mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh like i that, i got you like you. that Don't like worry. that circle like that circle uh-huh. i just did yeah so like remembering how you look, lost a majority look, of the, let me know matches, if but... uh if you need me to do more uh more circle backs to uh mm-hmm. to earlier mm-hmm. topics because i got you i got you i got you hey i had a quick question because obviously um you know on on the topic of, of video games like what was the game that you played I guess, like at a young age that you knew you should mm. not be playing. Like, what was the oh. first game where you were like, whoa, this is like, this is extreme. Like, this is content yeah. I should not be consuming at this age. I think like, to, to be honest, like it, I, the first game of <laughs> that sense. It's, it's Grand Theft Auto right now. Like I just, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was so many different ones that, I, that I'm like kind of flashing back to me. Uh, I mean, of course, Mortal Kombat, right? Like yeah. at the time, I was like, it's oh, he's getting his head ripped off. That's yeah. pretty sick. But also, like, can he put it back? Uh, <laughs> I was still at that age. Um, and then also Killer Instinct. But like, yeah. because there was uh, Saber Wolf, which is uh, a werewolf. And then you had the other characters, which are just human, getting like ripped to shreds by a werewolf. Uh, but the, the one game, I guess the, the one that like kind of just blew into my mind. Do you remember playing Area 51? It was this like arcade game where you would be like two dudes, right? Okay. And then you're going through, I guess, Area 51. And it's the, the ones where you have the controller gun where you have to like shoot off screen to reload oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at an arcade. Yeah. And then like you're shooting aliens and stuff and they're exploding and you got to like shoot barrels that is come that, at you. Is that one of the ones where you had to step on the pedal and like you like you? Uh, I don't think it got to that extent of, yet. Like you're, oh, no, okay. Yeah, not time crisis, but it's along the same lines where oh, like you okay, just went okay. through the level. It's on rails, but you're like shooting, and then yeah, it's different ammo yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, At the time as a kid, I was like, I guess that was the awakening of this is violence. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it was accepted. You know, we went to what, what was it, Mr. Gaddy's or like Peter Piper's, and they were just yeah. like, hey, have a shit ton of quarters and have fun. It's like, okay, like the world is my oyster. And <laughs> just like running through the, the halls to different games and then going to that one. It's like, this is a gun. <laughs> and I'm gonna shoot the shit out of aliens. Like that I think is like the point where it's like, okay, violence is here and I'm I'm here for it. It it's neat. I like it. <laughs> it is cool. That doesn't like, enough- that doesn't set off any alarms at all. Like no, none, no. none at all. I mean, well adjusted yeah really really calm mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no issues whatsoever. You yeah. should see when you a listener, you should see when he gets his ass kicked in Mortal Kombat. Like you should oh. really see what that's like. Okay. That's twice. No, no, no. That's twice. <laughs> let me know if you want to let me know if you want to, if you want dessert. That was your appetizer and your entree. No, but it doesn't count because it weren't it wasn't combos, it was button mashing. And how do you combo against button mashing? Okay. You, the, you, the, you, the video you, you know, game. You know, the video game that like mm. blew my mind in uh, like as far as content goes, I must have been in like middle school, early middle mm-hmm. school, maybe even elementary school. And I played. Um, did you ever play the game State of Emergency? No, not ringing any bells. I think it's a Rockstar Games game production. Yeah. Um, but basically. I don't even remember like the plot because I was so young. I didn't even like focus on plot, but basically Mm -hmm. you played this rioter and your goal was to go around and like destroy the mall, destroy sections of the city. And like, Mm. dude, when I talk about it being graphic, it had a mode where, uh, I think it was called like squeaky clean mode or something like that, where there was absolutely yeah. like no, you know, no anything at all. And then they had like the real version and dude, like there were things in that, like you could like take people's like heads off and stuff. And I was way <sighs> too young to play this. So I was playing it one day and I was like, what? Yeah. Like I had that mortal combat moment, like you, where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, okay, could the, does the head go back on? Uh, yeah. And I'm playing it. And my mom walks by and she's like, uh, what did you just do? And I was like, um, surgery. I don't know. Nothing. (laughs) Dude. It was just, it was way too intense. Like state of, Mm -hmm. like I actually went back on YouTube and typed in state of emergency and like that game. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it got banned at all, but like, it was pretty, it was pretty heavy. Like, especially that young of an age. Um, like you said, I mean, you know, I developed into a fine human being, you know. I yeah, I like have a podcast now with a exactly. wonderful co-host, you know. Uh huh. Preach, preach. Uh, like how I don't see the connection, right? Like how did you get into a metal band from that? I just I don't see how that could be. That's that's so wild. On, on, a, on a real note, dude, my favorite band is Angels and Airwaves. So whenever I've told people, mm. uh, or whatever I would tell people, like, oh, like what's your influence, like for mm-hmm. uh for for writing you know your music i'd be like oh like i'm a i'm a big angels and airwaves fan i'm a huge tom right. Long fan they'd be like well then why aren't you pay- playing punk music uh dude i don't know i don't know what it was about heavy music that i just like gravitated towards right um but i just i listened to less heavy music while i was writing lyrics and it just like it came out some just like deeply emotional stuff came out speaking of mosh pits i know we already finished with the topic but dude there was a yes. mosh pit at that angels and airwaves show that i went to when i was mm-hmm. in middle school uh, people will mosh to anything i've heard that there are mosh pits at mac demarco shows which is oh, crazy man. to me but i mean <laughs> i'm sure they wait, happen. Wait, wait. i'm sure they're intense like like okay so i'm gonna be honest haven't really listened to angels and airwaves all that much like yeah. i I, oh, dude, I know i can go on people you- <laughs> go go go! Okay, like because it's like it's it's two stepping, right? I think that's a thing at at punk shows. Or no, no is no, that two stepping is a is a thing at 
like hardcore shows. I guess you can two step at a ska show, but um, it's more like hardcore shows. Oh, dude, when people would two step uh, to like uh, to like a breakdown or like the build up to a breakdown, like that was the best. And people would call out like different mosh moves that they wanted, you know, they wanted you to do like, uh, yeah. where are my two steppers at? And you would just see all these people just start two stepping. Now we need to include a visual of what two stepping is. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Yes. But it's for awesome. The dude. Uninitiated. It's like, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg's Crip Walk, but it's not at all like Snoop Dogg's Crip Walk, <laughs> like the exact opposite. Oh man. And then I can only imagine that uh, weird tangent to go on, but yeah. like talking about music, talking about shows for whatever reason, especially like video games, like, you know, uh, guitar hero and rock band that brought out just memories of listening to Creed yeah. at a young age. Mm-hmm. And not that Creed is a bad band. They are, they are horrible. They're but holy, in the, dude. they're holy in the, best way possible like i i talked to my wife about it and like the way that we reference creed songs like on a continuous basis just because it's so good to sing like i forget if that was even like a song in any of those games but it just comes to mind of just yelling out the lyrics to my sacrifice (laughs) like driving home (laughs) on just like trips to anywhere just like windows down my sacrifice (laughs) yeah like just like screaming at the top of our lungs like losing our voices because we're trying to just imitate the song it is i don't know i don't know if it's pervasive in all forms of culture but everyone that i know is, is has at least heard of Creed and knows the lyrics yeah, to of course. a few songs. Of course. Now listen, man, you are you are pretty much begging me to go into a butt rock deep dive in a future <laughs> episode. And I want you to know that I am ready. I am ready it's for this so deep good. dive. I'm ready to talk about uh theory of a dead man, nickelback, Ooh. creed, uh-huh. hinder, stained. <laughs> three doors down like i am either either yes yeah 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 yeah, okay loki i love seether loki i love 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 seether they all have their like their their moments and stuff but there is this like belligerent side (laughs) to a lot of their music yeah just like something primal like your lizard brain just like vibes with it you're like i i, I need to scream <laughs> into the night like i don't know there, there's something about it for sure did, did you uh did you ever hear seether's cover of careless whisper oh yes Dude, yes there the was I, either that is mm-hmm. just, mm, like damn it's... either like a, a middle school or like early high school version of me which is like the exact same thing because i okay. was a late bloomer and Thank i looked you like a for child. clarifying yeah you're welcome uh <laughs> just in case you were curious but would definitely like overplay careless whisper while like looking out of the bus window and just like this is me <laughs> even though like i didn't talk to anyone at the time like i would just have the hoodie over with like earbuds blasting just looking out the window it's like i i, I understand <laughs> are we talking about the seether version or are we talking about the george michael version no, no, see their version for okay. sure. That I, one had... I thought you were doing the George no, Michael. No, no, no. Hey, no. hey, all respect to George Michael. Incredible, right, course, incredible yes. musician. Legend. But only, I just imagine <laughs> you with the George Michael one, just a single tear. Like, am I ever going to dance again? 
<laughs> no, no, not to that extent oh, at God. all. No, no, no. no it was like the more emotional this. version of the Seether Dude. one. That's what like got to me. And it was like, oh I my t- God. Yeah, in, in middle school, it was, uh, oh, dude, in middle school, I had like OCD when it came to listening to records. When mm. I discovered We Don't Need to Whisper, which is uh, Angels and Airwaves' first release, I had my Sony Walkman and I listened to tracks one through five every single day for like three months straight. And I never, ever, ever went to track six, you know, through 10. And I would literally look at the, uh, look at the lyric booklet that came with it. And I would follow along with the lyrics. Like I have that record memorized and uh, angels and airwaves for me came after came after my chemical romance my chemical romance dude i was mm. heavy into my chemical romance <laughs> a little bit into the used but dude my chem was the shit i mean still is like my chemical romance right. is an incredible band i don't know if you saw footage of their reunion show uh in california dude I heard about it yeah there's there was no point in those people uploading the footage of the show because you can't hear the band you can hardly hear the instruments from just how loud like that reunion show was the equivalent of those european festival shows where people sing the guitar lines as well so yeah, like yeah the beginning to um i'm not okay that like people are literally going it's just it's crazy like that's how you know you're at a show is when people yeah. will sing the instrument sounds like that's how you know you're at a show like that's a show worth going to you'll never see that at a creed show just saying Uh, i don't want to burst your bubble but you're not going to see that at a creed show no no no, chris when we form our creed cover band that does nothing but my sacrifice and no other songs at all like it's just 60 minutes of like more progressively more belligerent iterations of my sacrifice i love it like Dude, I just forgot. I forgot a band that we forgot to mention. Also, our Creed cover band is going to be called Crud. That's what that's going to be the name of our (laughs) our, our cover band. Um, Dude, setting expectations. Puddle Puddle of mud, mud, dude. Puddle of mud. Oh no, dude. She hates me. Is just it's (laughs) such a jam. Like, do you ever like when you get in an argument with your wife? Do you ever just listen to that song and just feel not like you know related? Because I don't do that either. I was just asking. Of course, of course. Yeah, to to try and oust me. I understand that, but (laughs) no, I never got the intention of that. But there was always that sign of me like, you, you go, man. You. You voice your concerns in an unhealthy way. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds oh, like a plan. Oh, dude, we we need to have the butt rock deep deep dive because yeah. people need to remember butt rock and everything it stands for. Yes. That was just, iconic. That was just that was a movement and it took over yeah. the late 90s. I mean it it I have to believe like I'm willing to do some research on this, but I have to believe it. It stemmed from grunge Mm -hmm. and everything that grunge stood for and everything that grunge was is incredible is still incredible to this day, but how it somehow transformed and became very disfigured and became bands like Nickelback and, you know, all the bands that we mentioned, like that's right. Look at this graph for sure. (laughs) I had to, okay? I, look, look, look. It, it's full circle. 
again, it, it's all a part of the show. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, we're, we're going to go ahead and tune you back in to the rest of Chris's conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry to derail so much. There's there's so much potential in the butt rock deep dive. We there will is. get into it. It listener. is. It's, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Uh, but before we bring Chris in, uh, we do want to just shout out uh, everyone who has listened to an episode of the Local Lingual Podcast. We are slowly. Yes. No, I shouldn't even say slowly. We are steadily making our way to 200 listens across all streaming platforms. Spotify. Claps, yeah, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, except SoundCloud. Except SoundCloud. We, we no longer associate with SoundCloud. We don't know yeah. who they are anymore. Yeah. Their number is, is blocked. Yeah. They have been perma-banned from the chat. Uh, but yeah, you know they they served us well. They but, did. You no, know, we've they moved did. on. We've 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 grown, and we hope they do too. For it's sure. nothing malicious, you know. Uh, and, and speaking of nothing malicious, thank you again for for checking us out on our socials as well. Mainly our Insta uh, at Local Lingua Pod. Make sure you follow us there for insights into the future episodes that will be coming up. We're gonna you know make sure we have a little bit more interaction with you guys because we're genuinely interested in hearing your stories yeah, just like ours definitely. we want to lend a platform to you guys it's always great to hear not only you know your ideas but <laughs> just your input uh it, it's really fun to to be a part of that and so thank you again for your consistent patronage i don't know why i said it like that but i did and, it sounded and thank you again sophisticated you always have a way of making yourself sound so sophisticated I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, but this is not your episode. This is Chris's episode. So let's bring Chris back in. Chris, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and recap with you. So up to this point, uh, those of you who are listening, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around all of the opportunities that you've had, all the opportunities you've created Uh for yourself whilst being an incredible tattoo artist. Um, Talk about the early days. How did you get into it? Man, and and uh okay, so yeah, uh obviously it's it's been a very interesting ride in my life when it comes to all these different things that I've been able to do, right? And uh, but I will say this, it's all of it has never been given to me. It's always been at one point where I was like, man, I need to just like give up because this shit's hard. And definitely tattooing is one of those instances where like I felt like I was not going to be good enough to be in this type of opportunity of, of a career right and uh so so basically I'll just start from the beginning um in high school well I guess just like in general when I was going to school I was always a good kid but I never really liked school mm-hmm. uh it's not that I hated necessarily being there I just didn't like having to stress so much about school right because like who 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 wants to fail no one wants to fail right and it was to me i was looking at like man i hope i don't fail as opposed to like man like like i'm gonna pass like this is easy it was always like uh always so much doubt man and and i still live that way to this day but like i as an adult i realized like hey that you're just being you know yourself it's you're being critical on yourself so fuck it. That's how you're going to, that's how your program, that's how your program can't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so being in school, uh, I always felt like I can't wait till I'm done with high school. Cause that's it. I don't have to do anything anymore. Right. Nope. You know, as you get older, you realize, well, I gotta go to college. Like what the hell? Like I gotta be in prison a little longer. So 
uh, anyway, like when I was in high school, I was already like worried, like, man, like, I don't even know what I want to be when I grow up. I, I, was, I was thinking like unrealistically. Well, I don't want to say unrealistically, right? Because everyone can be what they want as long as they chase it. Right. But at the time, I, like, right. I want to be a pro, I want to be a pro wrestler for WWF. You know, I'm, I'm like a, <laughs> I'm like a wet rag, right? Like in the bottom of a wet bucket, right? Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to to, to be a, a wrestler with my physique and athleticism or lack of. Right. But, you know, I was thinking stuff like that was, or I was thinking like, man, I'll, I'll be a like like a rock star or something like a Motley Crue type, you know, stuff like that. And it's just it's it was unrealistic at the time because I wasn't doing anything to actually pursue that. It was more like daydreaming. Right. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was going to do after high school. And I was already a senior and people I knew friends were already talking about how like they wanted to be like a surgeon and all this, like a, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Right. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're going to be like big time. Right. So whatever. Um, I've always been a very straight laced kid. Like I've never been into partying. I've never been into like trying out any sort of like drugs or alcohol, nothing like that. Right. So when I turned 18 and my parents knew this about me too, that I was a very, you know, just, just normal kid that wasn't into partying or anything like that. Right. So when I turned 18, I told them, I was like, can I please get a tattoo? Like I don't do anything. I'm like one of the biggest freaking loser dorks that just stays home and plays video games. Like even at my age, right. Like I should be out partying, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, no, like I just stay home. Come on. Let me live a little, please. My mom was very like, like, she didn't know necessarily what to say because I had her, I was true. Like I didn't do anything. Let me just live a little. Right. Yeah. So she was like, all right, fine. So my parents agreed to that. That can get a tattoo once I turned 18. Right. So my sister, I didn't know anyone where I could go. So I asked my sister, I was like, she's older than me. She's about five years older than me. I was like, Hey, do you know anywhere I can go get a tattoo? She's like, yeah, I have a friend of mine uh, at the time. Well, I mean, he goes by the name of creep. At the time, he worked at, at Flaming Heart, the, the shop that I was going to go to and eventually start working in and eventually own. You know what I mean? So uh, basically, so she takes me to Flaming Heart and um, I meet Creep for the first time. His real name is Eloy, Eloy Gomez. Uh, and I at the time I was reading this comic book, uh, Johnny and the Homicidal Maniac. Like I was just a, a comic by uh, Jonan Vasquez, better known for uh, doing Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. uh and anyway that was a comic i was really into comic books right at the time and that's what i was reading so i was like i'll just get johnny the homicidal maniac tattooed on me right so my first tattoo is a comic book character uh and yeah as i'm getting tattooed you know it hurts first tattoo it's something very alien and not too sure what it's going to feel like so you're a little scared i was running through all the different emotions and stuff and you know between feeling like ah oh, this hurts i was kind of like man that looks cool like you know like, it's kind of cool and whatever, got my first tattoo done, went to school like the next day, showing it off like a, like a, like Hell a nerd, yeah. right? <laughs> and yeah, everyone's like, whoa, you got a tattoo, right? And so, yeah, dude, pretty cool, right? Whatever. And so I remember thinking, I was like, man, maybe I should become a tattoo artist. Like, that'd be cool. And it's exactly how I said that. That'd be cool. Like, I was thinking more like rock star. I wasn't thinking like how hard of, a, of an occupation this was going to be. For one, getting your foot in the door and two, actually doing like, you know, going through the process of, of permanently tattooing someone for the rest of their life. Right. The stress, yeah. the the worry, all that stuff. I wasn't thinking about that for whatever reason. I was thinking I'm just going to show up and they're going to give it to me. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> no, you're you're literally a nobody that offers nothing and wants to take this type of 
you know, skill and information from us that have been working on it for so long. Like, no, that's, you're not going to get it. But of course, you know, I was young and I was, it's not like I was going to walk in there and be like, I, I want to work here. This is my territory. I wasn't going to say that. Right. Like I was a young kid. So what I did was anytime after school, I drive out there and I would uh, kind of just not be a pester, but I, I'd be there and I'd be trying to talk to the guys that work there. And they're kind of just like, who is this fucking kid? Like, why is he here? And uh, at the time I was working at Michael's, I worked at Michael's for like not even that long. Right. So what I was doing was I was, get, I was taking, I, I was taking them like just art supplies. I'd be like, Hey, uh, you guys need some uh, microns, which were like pens that we use uh, in the industry or like, you know, just, just random stuff like spray paints. Like I, you know, check it out. Like I'm gifting this to you all just trying to get in good. Right. Just basically trying to like kiss some ass. Right. Yeah. Making offerings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until I eventually got in good with one of the, the artists there named Alex Longoria. And from there he basically was like, yeah, um, if you want to work here, you're going to have to do a lot of fucking bitch work, man. Like, you're going to have to pick me up every day from my house and mission, drop me off, and, or, you know, take me back home every day. You know, all this stuff that just sounds kind of like a, a hassle and just like an inconvenience. And that's exactly what it was. But, I mean, if I wanted to be there, I had to do this, right? So I'm there trying to basically just work my way up into getting my foot in the door as an apprentice, like an official, uh, an official apprentice. And man, like it was, it was rough, man, because uh, I, I don't necessarily want to knock anyone that worked there, but mm -hmm. it wasn't exactly the, the easiest job to, it, or easiest internship, I guess you could say, because man, it was, mm -hmm. it was hard. I, and I was 18, man. So like I was young and stupid, like to where, if I would have tried doing that, I guess like at this age, uh, and in that shop at the time, like, I'd be like, Oh no, I'm not sticking around here. Like you're stupid. But I, I went through it. Like I went through a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, mental abuse. And I'm not saying this, like I got like yeah. beat to shit. It was more like, like, Oh man, I, I think I, I suck at life. I can't tell. You know what I mean? It, it was, that was uh, like the shattering expectation, you know, like you yeah. went in there expecting something and then it's like, Oh shit, it is yeah. different. And I think that being so young, it helped in the sense where I was like, well, hey, this is this is reality, man. Like, who knows? Maybe like trying to work like elsewhere is going to be the same way. So I might as well stick it out here at the tattoo shop. And um, but yeah, uh, I, I eventually was able to do my first tattoo there. Scariest day of my life. It was a bullet with wings. Uh, it was on the back of the leg of that dude, Alex Longoria, that I was talking about. And oh, um it was not the prettiest, but I mean, Hey, it's, it is what it is. Right. I started somewhere. And I remember thinking, I'm like, if I tattoo like this, I'm not going to last any much longer here. Right. So I was scared. Like, I was like, man, I'm doing stuff. That's not even like that great, you know? And, and you, you start to hear other people from other shops, like say, Oh, that new guy they have sucks. And it, it was true. I sucked. You know, I wasn't good. And it was tearing me apart because I was used to to being a very likable person at the time. And mm. it was it was hard to hear like heartbreaking things like that. Like, oh, that guy sucks. Like he's he sucks. He's not gonna be good. And it, it would stick to my my head. I'll be like, man, maybe I'm not gonna be good at this. 
And I don't know exactly what it was that kept me from quitting, but there was a lot of times where I wanted to quit. I was like, dude, this is, this is not what I want to do. Like I suck, but you know, I had a, a really good boss. His name was Kendall Tinker. He would uh, essentially just tell me, eh, I don't listen to those people. And um, I never told my parents like the amount of like stress that I went through because they would have been like, oh, uh, you wanted it, though, because they wanted me to go to college. And I was going to college also. But, you know, when you're 18 and you have an apprenticeship at a tattoo shop and or college, of course, you're like, I don't want to be in college. I want to be at the tattoo shop. Yeah. So, Definitely. Yeah. So breaking it to my parents that I didn't want to be going to school they didn't want to hear that they were like mm -hmm. uh you're going back to school eventually so go tattoo for a year or whatever but you're going back and so me being in a position where i was like oh man like i don't want to tell my parents that this is hard because then they're going to tell me i told you so now go back to school so i just sucked it up and i was like i'm not going to tell them anything i think that's what it was that kept me from from wanting to to be a letdown like wanting to try something and then realizing i wasn't cut out for it Yep. So I was like, you know what? No, like I'm going to stick to it. And uh, I got past all the, the, the hater talk and everything, man. Cause eventually I started finding my groove and I want to say like, when I hit like maybe 21, I was like, cause I started when I was 18 tattooing mm -hmm. when I hit like 21, I was like, all right, I'm starting to feel this. Uh, I, I got my mojo. You know what I mean? Like I can feel the power of the force. And uh, yeah, from there I I comfortably got the hang of things more and I started seeing myself kind of like grow as an artist. Also, um, I was trying new things that I wasn't doing before my artwork in general was becoming a lot cleaner and I started finding my, my own style. Right. And yeah, word started getting around that, that, you know, oh, this guy named Chris Deleon is really good. And I started building a clientele, man. And that's when I was like, all right, cool. Like I sucked it up. I stopped being such a puss about like thinking I, I was going to be bad at this. And, you know, going back to how I said, I was, I, was, I became like uh, sad about my, my, uh, my previous persona was a very likable character. Uh, and I wasn't used to hearing people talk smack about me being in this business. It, it kind of like gave me thick skin to where when I hear stuff, I'm like, man, ah, whatever, you know what I mean? I've heard that shit before. Like, you know, I'm, I've, I've heard people talk shit, whatever. Um, but I can back up what, you know, they're saying I can't do. Right. So it's now it's become a point. It's gotten to a point where I know my skills and, and how hard it was to acquire them. So if any, which I don't really hear these days. Right. But, uh, uh but of course they're always out there, right. Everyone's going to have this type of, uh, stuff. Like people always talk about anything. Right. Mm -hmm, so yeah. now, uh, if I were to hear that, I just kind of like, ha. I was like, if you only knew, if you only had to go through the crap I had to go through, you probably wouldn't even yeah. survive. You know what I mean? So, so now, you know, being older, like, um, yeah, like stuff doesn't phase me. Um, and like I said, for all I know, it's not even that much stuff being said, but if it does, I just, it doesn't, it's like, dude, I've been through so much crap, like in this business that, that it just doesn't bother me. You know, like I, I've maintained a very good reputation now, especially. And uh, throughout the years of working there, it was it was hard, but it became easy because I got over a lot of fear and I gained a lot of confidence because of my clientele, because of them coming to me and, and you know, hearing all these nice things that people have to say. Uh, I just don't have time for for um, for feeling bad about myself anymore. You know, it's yeah. it's like I, I really did earn this because I've been doing it since 02. And 
I feel like I've become almost like Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, you know, I've been doing it for so long. <laughs> it's, it's it's so natural. Uh, and now, you know, we have apprentices at the shop. And uh, now, uh, you know, I get to kind of like see them go through the the you know learning the ropes they they don't have it as, as bad right like they you know we definitely don't mistreat them or anything like that but if they were to i always tell them i'm like dude be glad you didn't start off when i started off because man there were times where i was literally like crying like you know <laughs> i was like oh my god yeah. like, i can't do this you know and it was one of those things like hey stop being a puss you know what i mean like it, it was just very like okay i'll stop you know it was so hard man but but now um you know it's good to see uh my our two apprentices anthony and vanessa like i i sensed a lot in them when i first met them i was like hey these both of these kids they feel like they were me you know what i mean and so yeah um, yeah it was cool to kind of like feel that and then go ahead and let them know like all right guys like i, I i've been there i know what it was like to want to do this because a lot of the times people do always ask like like hey uh, i kind of want to do this as a part-time thing like would you be able to show me and it's one of those things where I'm like, this is no part-time man. Like it might be no, some people. No, no, no. And, and uh, you know, with me, I'm a very nice person. Right. But um, I grew up in a time where nothing was given for free. Like it was like, you're going to do a lot of fucking grunt work, man. And if we think we like you, we might like kick you a bone might, but you're going to have to kiss a lot of ass. And just remember that we're always going to be bigger and better than you. So, you know, it was just like, it was just so hard back then. And um, yeah. so whenever I hear people kind of like talk about like that, they want to do this, that looks like fun and easy. I, I refrain. I'm not going to be all like, yeah, well, you're, you're fucking in for the worst time of your life. I'm not like that at all. Right. But it's more like, well, you know, it's definitely a job that you have to like dedicate your time to yeah. because it's such a, it, so many things can go wrong in your performance and attitude. Like if you, if you start off thinking you're the shit when you're not, it's not going to do you any good. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're for rude awakening. Yeah. You have, you have to be around people that, that know what they're doing. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people have just started from nowhere, like at home and become great. Like I've met, like I have some, you know, tattoo artist friends that started off uh, just trying it out at home and, and uh, eventually like, their drive got them to be better because sometimes you can just tell man like sometimes people just they know they can get better and those are the type of people that that you need in this business because you can't stay stagnant doing bad tattoos for the rest of your life right eventually it yeah. catches up to you to where people are going to say like oh don't go to so-and-so because this guy his work looks like shit you know what i mean yeah and uh like you don't want to do that. You want to like acknowledge that. Okay. Like your stuff is kind of bad, but you, they can get better. And you have to admit sometimes that like, Hey, I, I need some help. Like you can't just be like, Oh no, I've been tattooing for 20 years when really in reality, like you're just trying to like sound like, you know what you're doing. Like this, this, this is a craft where you want to ask stupid questions. Like, you know, even if you think they're dumb, asking anything to get better is what you need. Right. And yeah, uh, getting getting absolutely. past that that fear of like or your ego being smashed like well I don't want to sound dumb if I ask him like what's the difference between this and that I want to sound I want to know like I want to seem like I know what I'm talking about like no like like you really have to like work hard to uh, to achieve greatness in this type of business because it can go wrong really quickly and 
And uh, yeah, uh, the Valley definitely has a lot of good tattoo artists right now. For sure. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing a lot of great work. Back then when I started, it was unheard of to, to see more good than bad. Because back then, like there was a lot of shops that would pop up out of nowhere and be doing like real cheap, like price work. And it was it would show right. But now it's cool because the tattoo community down here, like there's way more uh, great artists as opposed to just like bad. So uh, that was really interesting to see growing up. I'm like, Oh wow. Like that guy does really good work. Like she does really good work. Like, you know, going back mm-hmm. and forth to all these different shops. So in a way it's great because that keeps everyone on their toes because um, I try right. to explain this to people when, whenever, uh, whenever people ask me like, Hey, how do you feel about certain people kind of looking at you guys as like delinquents in a, in a business, a place of business? And I'm like, you know what? I fully understand why one wouldn't take this job or like an outsider wouldn't take tattooing as a serious business. But I always say this, um, we're in a business where the only thing that, that we rely on is our reputation. Like we don't get benefits or anything like that. Like we literally get paid for the work we're doing. We're not getting paid hourly. And it's like, I tell people, I was like, if you want to compare us to being delinquents and, when you think about it too, check this out. Like uh, a lot of, we hear a lot of like medical horror stories where like, Oh, this doctor just doesn't care. Like he wants, he just wants to get paid, you know, this and that, you know, we've heard it all yeah. the time. Right. And you're trusting these people to like put you in good health. Right. So you don't know like whether they really want to help you or if they're taking your money, you know, and I'm not knocking our medical, like in particular, but just in general, I'm using an example. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when you come, when it comes to tattooing, we as tattoo artists have to almost be better than all the other tattoo artists. And I'm not saying that anyone is better than anyone. Right. But we have to approach it that way. I was like, you know what? Like I have to put so much love and work into my tattoos because these people are going to be coming back. If I were to just kind of spit out like, Oh, you know, I'll just, whatever, here's a crappy tattoo. You know, it's, it's obvious you can compare like, okay, this is obviously a really great piece of artwork, or this is a really crappy piece of shit. So, so much like love and dedication goes into our work because we want people to know that we're doing great work. Like we're there, we're not half-assing this whatsoever. So um, it's almost like we, as a business, we're only, we're only relying on a reputation. And that's why, like I said, we put way, a way, way more amount of of, uh, a heart and soul into the work that we're doing. Uh, because we're not like a commercial business, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're going to get paid whether we do a piece of shit or not. It's like, no, like we literally have to like fight to the end in this type of business because, uh, at the end of the day, it's our work that's speaking for itself. Like it's bringing in people. So, uh, it's not like we're a product to where like, Oh, like this pair of shoes fucking suck. Let me buy it. Let me exchange it for a brand new one. I was like, no, like we have to make sure that whatever we do is something that's going to wow people and that's every day of our life you know yeah jeez that's an insane standard uh i mean it's placed on you right but also yeah. you holding yourself to it and then your coworkers and the other shops yeah right? it's man. just like it drives you all forward yep. and into better mentality yeah and, and it's it's like i said like you know like i said everyone's cool with everybody but deep down inside we all always want to be like the best whether it's just for ourselves or just to prove that we can uh 
be up there with the other great names and stuff like that. And that's completely in a humble way. It's not like to crap on anyone. It's, it's that drive where it's just like, man, like so-and-so from this shop just did like a really killer piece. Like that means I got to make sure I do a killer piece. So that way we can all be like at that level to where we're almost like over them or just behind them. But we always want to be almost just like at that same level each time. Stay competitive. Yep. Yep. I feel like that's going to keep future artists interested and keep them hooked as well. You're going to keep motivating the next generation because of that friendly competition that's there. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's some, uh, sometimes it's not always friendly, but Hey, like, even if it's someone that you, you may not like, you're still going to respect the fact that they're doing what they're doing. Right. So, um, and like I said, nowadays I, I noticed in the tattoo community, everyone's a lot friendlier than, to each other than back then. Okay. Um, so I think that's great to see. Um, back then it was a little like, like, what are you doing when you're talking to like a other person from another shop, right? But now it's like every I see everybody on Facebook like commenting on each other's shit, like, hey, it's awesome, you know what I mean? So it's cool. Everyone, everyone's cool with each other. So uh, it's a lot friendlier and more friendlier than it was back then, and. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. Hell yeah. That's good. So yeah. full circle moment. Okay. We started off talking about, you know, your experience in the Valley. We talked about local music. We talked about video games. Now, as of last year, you're you're in a new band, Cryptic Mutation. Yes. And uh, it was because of uh, Doom Eternal. It kind of like lit a fire under my ass, man. I'm like, dude, like, because like I said, I, I took I took a big break from from uh, the music scene to 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 transition into the the video game scene for so yeah. long. And um, it was, man, I can't remember when the last time. Maybe like 2011 or 12 is when I had last like been in a band. Mm-hmm. After that, it was pure competitions and stuff. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, after I, doing the the Doom Eternal gig, I I was like, man, like I kind of miss this, like uh, you know, because I hadn't done anything since it, 2015 was when I did uh, the Killer Instinct thing, right? And then years later, I did uh, Doom Eternal, which was like two years ago. Um, so I was like, man, I really want to get back into this, and it just so happened stars are aligning. Like I said, I've got got that by my side, right? Um, <laughs> that one of my friends fred gonzalez he's a he's an art teacher for um a middle school uh i can't remember what which one it is but it's the the mascots the lions there in uh, mccallan uh is it memorial no something middle school whatever mccallan middle school uh okay, yeah, yeah. anyway uh so him and i actually would we would get together uh at moonbeams on sundays with other friends of ours and we would uh, we would just draw right and fred's always been into metal uh and you know with that being said like he was like hey uh would you ever want to like jam man like i'd never jammed with fred back in the day when i was in walkie braves he was in a band called undying prophecy and uh so we both we both had like backgrounds in uh in metal and just music having music uh aggressive music in general right so he's like yeah would you ever want to jam like dude you know what man it's funny you say that man because i've been wanting to just because of uh the whole doom thing like i really am missing it so all right cool man he's like so so yeah, let's uh let's see if we can uh, round up some troops, man. And so I'm like, all right, cool. So um, so Fred had a bass player in an undying prophecy named Efren Efren Trevino, and he was down to play bass. 
And uh, I've always been cool with Efren too. Like, you know, I'd see him at shows and we'd, we'd say hi and like just chit chat, whatever. Uh, so, okay. So it was, it was me on vocals, Fred on guitar, and then Efren on bass. So now we need to find a drummer. Uh, I don't know how it came about, but Fred one time just hit me up. Hey man, uh, Danny from uh, Blast Perversion said he's down to uh, play drums. And so Blast Perversion down here is a great band. They're like a death metal band. And Danny is a stupid good drummer, man. Like, um, I, I can honestly say he's, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that he's the best down here, but he's definitely one of the best, at least, you know, Up the there. ones that, yeah. yeah, that I play with. It's a trip. I always, dude, I, to this day, I still trip out when people can do blast beats and double bass like monsters. Like, that's to gifts. me, it's just like, like, how the hell? Like, you know, and it'll always blow my mind, right? And of course, like, everyone can say, like, there's so many people that could do it. I was like, yeah, that's why, like, all those people that do it still blow my freaking mind. Like, how the fuck do you play drums like this, right? Anyway, <laughs> so it was a trip that, 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 uh, Fred told me that Danny was down to play drums. And here's a funny story, man. When I was, uh, 18, Back in the days, we all remember Hastings. So Hastings, uh, they used to have those billboards, like local bill, uh, billboard there, whatever, uh, the fucking board, whatever it was called. It was like you could pin up like whatever, like ads and stuff mm -hmm. like, hey, looking for a piano teacher or whatever. There was always band stuff like, hey, looking for a guitarist or singer. I, I saw this one ad and it said looking for a, a singer for a death metal band. And the band was called Warsaw. I'm like, all right, cool. And so I remember... Um, I remember calling them and asking like, yeah, this and that. So they went ahead and they, they told me to meet at this address and it ended up being Danny's house. This was before Danny was in my band. This was back in the day. Right. Yeah. And I remember, I remember getting there and I was, I had super short hair. Everyone there had like long ass fucking metal hair. And I'm like, Oh no, like I'm not going to fit in, man. I can already tell these guys are going to be like, yeah, not this poser. Right. Um, and so uh, it was so funny, man, because I was trying out. And even though I had the chops to be like a, an aggressive vocalist, my vocals hadn't developed the way they did now. So I wasn't that great. And I remember thinking, I'm like, man, I'm not going to make it in this band, am I? And uh, I went to the second tryouts. And it was funny because that was the first time I actually met Fred. Fred, who's now the guitarist wow. in the band. Fred, that, he was a fresh face because he said that was his first band that he tried out for. And I remember he looked like me, short-haired, looked like a, you know, like a pretty boy, like we definitely don't fit in here. And, you know, whatever. We ended up not making the cut. Like, I didn't make the cut. He didn't make the cut. Yada, yada. Everyone went their separate ways. Danny had his band, who eventually became Black Blast Perversion. Fred had his band, Undying Prophecy. I had my band, Walk the Graves. And so whatever, right? We all did our own thing. So fast forward to now. Uh when Fred told me that Danny was interested in playing, I, I brought up like, Oh, remember that time we, you and I both tried out and we failed miserably. He's like, yeah, we started laughing. <laughs> and, you know, I made a joke saying like, Oh, we should, uh, we should have Danny try out and just be like, nah, you're not in the band. <laughs> 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 of course that, there was no way I was going to do that. Right. Cause you know, back, Danny is like an amazing talented person. So I was just super happy that I could finally jam with him. So we're a four piece. Like I said, myself on vocals, Fred on guitar, Efren on bass, and uh, Danny on drums. And so we approached this, the, the band, uh, we, we wanted to do something a little different just because uh, since we had all been, been in bands before, I know I have never had an album made. Like it was always just demos, like three songs, whatever, you know what I mean? Like nothing, no albums. 
So I yeah. told the guys, I was like, honestly, man, like, I don't particularly care to play shows right away. I just really, really want to make a legit album. Like, yeah. just so I can say I made an album with some with a band. Like, just so I could have that. You know what I mean? Whether it was, it was a completely do-it-yourself type of project. Like, I want an album. And everyone was cool with that. They are like, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and focus on doing that instead of playing shows at, at the moment. So we would be writing songs and the beauty of, of, of this band is that everyone plays guitar. Like we all know how to play guitar. So everyone was coming up with riffs and, and what was crazy was our bass player was coming up with all these crazy cool guitar riffs. And I'm thinking, I'm like, Efren, what the hell are you doing on bass, man? Like play guitar. <laughs> and he really didn't want to play guitar because he's a bass player first and he's an amazing bass player. Right. But I was, I was more focused on like, dude, you're, making all these cool ass riffs like let's just at least have two guitarists and we'll find a bass player right so everyone pushed effort and like dude be guitarist he's like all right fine <laughs> so there we are uh, as a four piece with without a bass player and we're all trying to like find bass players and you know they were some of them were being completely honest like you know what like there's no way i can play that stuff like i'll i'm gonna end up making you guys suck you know it was, it was sad to hear but it was also very like it was you know it was funny but they were like no nah, man like you guys yeah. need to find someone that's better. And so we couldn't find a bass player. Well, what happened was uh, we have a friend named John Trevino who happened to be the other guitarist for Undying Prophecy at the time. So we were like, why don't we get John to play bass? And John's a crazy good guitarist, man, like super good guitarist. And we're like, yeah, we'll just have him play bass. And so we're having a really good guitarist trial for bass and we're having a really good bass player play guitar. And so we're all there playing in that lineup right and i don't know what it was but we we're like dude what the hell are we doing man like efren go back to bass john <laughs> play second guitar and so yeah that, that that was it right like we we found our our our, our formula and it, it was just so funny that we had so many practices where john's there trying to play bass and efren you know efren doesn't do solos uh and john does so we're like dude this is so stupid like yeah we we had a good idea bright idea at first but now it's obvious that we need to just make a quick adjustment and that's what we did the clarity yeah yeah and so we were we were uh going to the studio in mccallan at widowmaker studio with josh lopez uh and yeah we started laying down tracks like you know uh everyone doing their pieces here and there and we're getting pumped man we're like man this is coming along very well it's sounding really fucking awesome and I think we were getting the itch, man. We were like, you know what? I think it's time we play some shows. Like, I think it's time. So, yeah, we were, we were like I said, we were playing uh, together almost a year or before playing shows. We were just focusing on the, on the album. And, yeah, we were like, all right, fuck it. You know, the album's not done, but I know everybody's really antsy to play shows. So let's just go ahead and get a show lined up. So we're there uh, trying to find, a, you know, an opportunity. And I think we did. I think it was going to be at Yerba, but Yeah, I think. Uh, Adam from Valley Texas Hardcore was was uh gonna have a show and I think we had talked about possibly getting on it. I can't remember who it was, but I know Efren and Fred were the ones that were talking about it. So we're like, cool, we'll go ahead and and focus on playing that. Well, uh this was around the time that Corona was being talked about and we had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm, and all yeah. of a sudden, boom, big old pandemic, like everything is just completely shut down. You can't do anything because it's Jeez. dangerous. And we're like, what? Like, wait a minute. Like, we we had this great plan to to do great things with this band. And all of a sudden, we can't do it. Like, what the hell? 
so that was a huge bummer like it was it was very comical like are you serious like we worked this much and we could have been playing shows earlier if it weren't for this bright idea that i that i had right <laughs> um so i yeah. felt like shit i felt kind of bad like, man like so we literally got pushed in the darkness a little bit further than we already were because we had like i said we had all these like uh these plans like we're gonna be a band that's just like boom hey guess what there's this band we just fucking out of nowhere like this yeah. and like oh who are these dudes you know but no Jump like into the, the scene yeah dude yeah it was it was a very special moment that just fucking got taken from us because of corona and so we were like well no crying over no use crying over spilled milk right so we uh we decided we were just gonna have to wait man there's nothing else we could do so what we did was we planned to record even uh two more songs because at the time we only had six and uh, we were going to do like kind of EP type of song, uh, thing. But even then, I, I want an album, which was a good opportunity because that means like, okay, now we can make the album. Yeah. Yeah. So we went ahead and uh, worked on two new songs. And eventually when uh, Josh at Widowmaker was able to uh, open up again, which took a while, like it took a long while before we were able to get in there. Uh, we went ahead and got in there and recorded two more songs. And this is where another crazy life-changing opportunity happened man this is another crazy story and it all like i said stars aligned man i need to get stars aligned tattooed on me or <laughs> something. somewhere something this is the stars and, aligned uh, episode yeah this is a stars aligned episode man because what happened next was was fucking nuts because i really didn't think this could happen so one day uh fred you know, our guitarist was uh, having trouble with this one guitar that he bought off of this new company called Legion Guitars. And what happened was Fred messaged uh, the owner and he was basically saying like, hey, man, I'm having a little trouble here with this and that. I still don't know exactly what happened. Right. But he needed some troubleshooting to be, uh, you know, going on. And so the owner was like, oh, yeah, man, absolutely. Try this and that and yada, yada. Uh, and whatever he told him ended up solving like, you know, the problem that he had. So he's like, Hey, thank yeah. you so much. And this and that. And so the guy, I guess was cool. And, uh, talking to him, you know, small talk, like, Oh yeah. You in a band or something, man. He's like, yeah, you know, this is my band. This is a, it's a demo if you'd like to hear it. So he sent him a demo track of one of our songs. And, uh, the guy in return also sent him his, uh, song, his band. And yeah. I believe he's in a band called anger rot or something like that. Um, and, Fred was like, oh, this is really cool, man. He's like, yeah, he's like, your stuff's really cool too. He's like, and the guy goes, what label are you guys on? And Fred's like, cool. oh, we're not on the label, man. We just, uh, we got fucked over with Corona. So we never got really got to play shows or anything. He's like, yeah. really? He's like, that sucks. He's like, do you want me to send this to uh, our label? I was like, it sounds really good, man. And he's kind of like, sure. You know, he didn't think much of it, right? He's like, sure. Dude, the next day, the owner of, of this label, Redefining Darkness, gets in touch with us through Instagram and right away was just like, dude, you guys, you guys are awesome, man. Like, um, like I really want you guys to work with me. Like it was oh, a yeah. soul, like what? <laughs> like, like holy shit. And so Fred, you know, sent us a screenshot of that. And right away, I'm like, yes, tell me yes. Please. You know, <laughs> yes, please. Like, I'd love to have this happen. And so from there uh you know he was basically saying like yeah man i mean um uh you know what are what is it that you'd need us to do and and uh actually before this happened let me go and tell you all this story 
uh, going back to how I said I really wanted uh, an album, like a legit album. And since we had nothing but time on our hands, like mm -hmm. I was discussing with the guys, I was like, hey, how about we get like a really cool like album art cover? Like, you know, like let's get like a legit one by somebody that's done like covers for bands that we like. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Like, let's just let's let's seek somebody. So I had mentioned this one artist named Andre Buzikov. And he has done artwork for bands like Municipal Waste, Toxic Holocaust, Skeleton Witch, Cannabis Corpse, like all these bands that we've listened to and like, right? Yeah. And um, I was like, let me message him. Like, I'll email him. So I sent him an email and I'm like, hey, Andre, um, I, I was, I was uh, kind of wondering, like, you know, if you do commissions for, for just small bands, like, you know, we're nothing crazy. Like, we're not on a label or anything like that yet. You know, we weren't on a label or anything like that. Um, but uh you know we'd really like to know if you do something for us you know if you don't mind and he, he messaged right away he was a real nice guy about it he's like yeah absolutely man i'd love to uh and so he, he in my head i was thinking like you know i was like i don't know maybe this guy's gonna charge like a thousand bucks right like I, I i was just very like like i was fine with it like you know we we're all gonna split it so i had no problem right but he he basically was like yeah like right now since uh covid and all that i'm, I'm doing uh uh cover art for 600 bucks i was like dude that's fucking perfect man because yeah. this, this is somebody that I, I really uh respect and like as an artist and i would freaking love to see him do something for us like, that'd be so amazing hell yeah and so when i heard 600 and split amongst us i was like dude yeah hell yeah like you know what i mean like let's go with it so uh yeah from there uh i basically gave him like a really rough concept uh you know since i'm an artist I just gave him like a very basic layout of what I wanted or what we wanted, excuse me. Um, and uh, essentially what it was, was uh, since our band Cryptic Mutation, we're very inspired by like sci-fi horror, even like video game stuff. Like not so much that we sing like, like, oh, I'm going to throw a fireball. And, you know, it's not, nothing like that, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing like that, like obvious, right? It's more like just like the the darker aspect of like, of like movies and video games and, and yeah. this and that right so i told him i was like, yeah we want to get something kind of like like some sort of like a monster that looks like it came from the thing movie uh just pulling out like a bunch of dead bodies that are like in a pit of spikes you know obviously like a Mortal Kombat <laughs> reference right and yeah. so yeah man send him the concept he he got back to us with a sketch and like dude that's perfect did the painting and, and we're like dude that's so freaking sick man God. and uh yeah we we essentially got uh, Andre Buzikov painting as our our cover so we had that already right and so when we were talking to this dude Thomas from Redefining Darkness he was asking us like like okay so how far have you gotten with your album I was like well we have our album cover done by Andre Buzikov I was like dude no way man He's like, yeah like like uh, a lot of our dudes on the label have artwork by him so that's great so it was like dude perfect you know if we wouldn't have made that yeah that move like it, it gave us almost like street cred to be uh professional enough to be on a label right yeah yeah and um so yeah this dude thomas was a really cool guy about it uh kept it pretty basic in terms of like how it would work and we were all for it. we're like sure man like let, let us just finish up everything with the recording because we were still working on the two songs uh and they were everything had to be mastered and mixed and everything so we kept in touch uh finished up the album completely and you know thomas went ahead and uh told us like all right cool like we're gonna go ahead and shoot for uh march 10th to uh premiere you know like uh we'll premiere a track and we'll have like a couple of write-ups uh for y'all 
And sure enough, he, he came through and, and uh, just recently we, we saw like a little article on us, like uh, on uh, invisibleoranges.com. Yeah. And uh, from there, it was just like really cool to see because uh, it, it's it's always it's always a goal for any band, right? To, to just be on a label and like whether it's a good or a bad idea, because you always hear horror stories like, oh, yeah. like you, 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 the company owns you like you don't own anything. Uh, Thomas made it very clear that he was like, you guys own your music. I'm not going to take shit away from you. Like, that's your all stuff. Uh, and Thomas. OK, <laughs> here's another crazy, like small world stars align to us scenario. <laughs> so wh- while while Thomas was talking to us about all this, we were kind of like, of course, you have your your kind of like you're not sure. Right. Like, what if your this doubts, is, yeah. is legit? Right. Yeah. And so Thomas was really cool the whole time, right? And he was telling us like his credentials and his resume of like the bands that he's been been in. He's played in a in a band called Abigail Williams. Uh, it, it was kind of like almost like a black metal type of band, modern band that played. Uh, they played here in uh, in McAllen at one point at Smoking Aces. I remember that. And anyway, he had also mentioned that he had done work with Aborted. Now, if you remember my story for Doom Eternal, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I was speaking to the singer about whataburger you know mm-hmm. so with that in mind like i said we've all kept in touch so when thomas was telling me about how he had done work with them i was like oh really i was like let me just ask a friend let's, of mine let's check your true. credentials right so i went ahead and i i messaged sven and i'm like like hey man um uh real cool opportunity that we had right now man uh we're actually in talks about being on a, a little label called redefining darkness and the, the owner's name's thomas uh he mentioned that he's played with you all or something like that and he replies oh yeah thomas man he's a great guy man like uh yeah he he, he uh, wrote a song with us at one point uh really cool dude man like yeah he, he's he's legit and everything i'm like oh cool man all right badass so there you go I'm like, yeah dude it's legit uh so you know i i mentioned thomas i was like dude it's crazy i've actually uh done work with with sven on um on uh on the doom eternal soundtrack so like what no way so it was like like i said all small circle or you know small world and anyway so so the credentials they all added up and everything so we were basically all right cool man uh, so yeah, like I said, March 10th, he, he, uh, went ahead and, uh, delivered the first, uh, single, which is our track Placentipede and, uh, Placentipede, it's essentially what it sounds like. It's just like a monster within a female host and stuff, you know, going back to, to harking on the, the horror and sci-fi aspect of, of, uh, inspiration. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, uh, from there, we're going to end up releasing, I think two more singles throughout the months to come. Uh, and our album debuts on May 7th. So right now it's up for pre-order on our band camp. Uh, the band's Cryptic Mutation with two Ks. We wanted to be cool and edgy. You know, we wanted <laughs> to spell it a little differently. Uh, but yeah, Cryptic Mutation. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's so far, um, it's right now the story is still going. You know what I mean? Like we haven't okay. been able to play yeah. shows, obviously. Uh, but we did get to achieve something that we didn't think was going to happen all because of just uh, networking and, and just putting in work, man. We, we wanted uh, this, this album to be as legit as possible. Um, we worked really hard on it musically and we put in a lot of uh, effort into making it as professional as possible with the, with the album cover and, and the, the, the production of the recording. Uh, and yeah, now Thomas from redefining darkness has us on his team. Um, 
and yeah, it's crazy too because there's been bands that I recently got into, you know, like within the past couple of years that are actually mm-hmm. on that label, and I never realized it. So it's 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 fucking cool to to know that uh, we're a part of a team that that's still growing, but it's still pretty strong with the with the type of uh, talent that he has on there, and, it, and it's really cool to to be a part of it. Um, definitely another dream come true, uh, and I don't have to be like on like a Sony label or anything like that. Like yeah, just the fact right. that someone is helping us with production of an album that I thought I'd never have as a, as a, in my youth, you know, my, my younger years, uh, it's cool to have that kind of support. And um, another really cool thing that happened recently, uh, Trevor, the singer of black Dahlia murder, he actually oh. put our placenta P track on one of his uh, YouTube playlists. So oh, we we're no like, way. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas uh, sent us that message last night. He's like, dudes, um, Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder put y'all's track on one of his uh, playlists. So it's like, shit. So <laughs> it's happening. That, that, yeah. That's really cool, man. So uh, as far as like future, what we're going to do, time can only tell man because we're not too sure exactly what's uh the case when it comes to uh shows and i definitely don't want to be pushing like events like oh you know fuck the the pandemic no i I take it very seriously too so i ain't gonna be like trying to be one of those bands like hey man fuck the pandemic come watch us if if we can play shows in a safe way however it may be like we're gonna take it um but that's all up in the air right now uh and since we can't necessarily play shows as freely as we'd like we're actually working on a second album man (laughs) oh shit! yeah there's no time like the present there's no time like the present what what i love about these dudes is that we're not lazy at all like we all what's cool is we're we're all tight as friends and we're all tight as musicians and um it's never one of those moments where like i just show up to practice i'm all quiet do my thing and leave it's more like oh badass like you know did you did you watch the 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 Schneider cut recent? You know, we're basically talking about whatever bullshit, <laughs> barbecuing with each other, cracking yeah. jokes about one another, and and at the end of the day, we're we're writing really strong uh, metal influenced uh, tracks, and um, the fact that we are already done with one album and already like almost like right away, it's kind of like when in a way where like if if someone just had a baby and then boom like the next like month they're pregnant again it's kind of like that it feels the same we're like like oh man we all this time we produced this this music child i'm like screw it let's get back on let's have another (laughs) exactly that's exactly what it feels like and uh we i feel like we're definitely pushing ourselves even more with this new stuff that we're doing and in yeah. such a, a little amount of time too, but it's like, what else can we do? We're in a pandemic right. still technically. So might as well not waste any time. So if we can be a band that debuts with two albums before playing, that'd be God. hilarious. You know what I mean? <laughs> such a catalog to choose it's, from. Yeah. We actually do do shows. It's yeah. unprecedented. That'd be fantastic. Like listening to your stories, Chris, like it's, it's incredible. The, the experiences that you've gone through. Um, yeah. If you were to give advice to, you know, one of our listeners who is, is a creative type that doesn't know, you know what to do during COVID, like, what would that advice be? Like, give that, that kind of parting wisdom to them. 
Okay, so so definitely, man, time is of the essence. Uh, we've lost so many people during this pandemic, and it's so, so many cliche things can be said in life, but it's all 100% true. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. So why, why, why waste time? You know what I mean? Um, and going back to how I said, like, everyone just needs to go ahead and just do it, whatever that it is, just do it because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, me being a very lucky person that I am, uh, like I said, like all this happened because I went ahead and just stopped being a puss about it and just went ahead and did what I thought I could do. And gradually I became more confident in stuff. And so, especially during these times, sure, we could have just been like, you know what, we we didn't get to play, fuck it, like, let's just go back to our everyday life, like, whatever, yeah. can't play shows, like, boohoo, right, like, no, like, especially, like, when you have, like, the support from, from friends and all that, like, even if you don't have the support, right, you got to sometimes support yourself, you don't want to yeah. stop and just settle for for what could have been it's like nah man like we, we can still do more we can definitely do more uh you always want to have that mentality because even aside from the music uh when we were on lockdown for those two months like with with tattooing we couldn't tattoo for like two months right mm -hmm. uh yeah. so, so a lot of people were worried and scared i chose not to be worried or scared i was like you know what uh obviously like i'm an artist i can create things i don't necessarily have to tattoo at the moment to survive so I went ahead and I, I made sure I did something with myself uh, to take care of myself. And that's when you know, I started doing commission work, like whether I was working on, on uh, you know, commissioning shoes, like because a lot of people come to me for bands and stuff like that. Like I'll do custom work on bands mm -hmm. or just like custom digital work for like uh, ads or, or just anything they need, really. Um, I went ahead and I used my time wisely. Uh, and of course, like I said, with the band, like that was some that was an outlet for me. It's a, it's it's a hobby, right? It's love and a hobby. So, uh, aside from doing band stuff, if anyone you have, if anyone has a hobby, you know, you can definitely turn a lot of heads with that hobby, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it just comes down to just don't be lazy. You know, a lot of people get those ruts, get stuck in those ruts where you just want to like, just lay down and watch TV, which is not a bad thing. Right. But you don't want right. to do too much of that because, uh, you're, you're not allowing yourself to be creative, uh, yeah. and that's that's what it comes down to right like you want to you want to be creative in whatever it is that you're trying to do um and there's there's not a whole lot you can do when you're just watching tv unfortunately um yeah. just like you guys with this podcast it's it's a great thing to be doing because you're trying you're trying to reach out to a lot of people while mm -hmm. also doing something that you found a love for right Definitely. and it's, it's it's one of those things where um just use your time wisely doing the stuff you love. You know, sometimes people get stuck doing stuff they don't love, which is understandable. Not everybody can, can really uh, afford to just chase after a dream 24 seven, but it's also not something that you can't do either. Right. Like uh, with me, yeah. I do more than one thing because I, I love doing that and I do find time to do it. Um, you know, sleep is needed, I guess you could say, but I also, I'm like, you know what, <laughs> fuck it, man, I can run on like six hours of sleep, really. Uh, but yeah, you, you just, you just want to be able to tell yourself like, hey, I can do this. And if anyone else can do whatever they're doing, I can do the same, right? So it, okay, it's, it's it's always going to be this, one of those things where you just got to kind of find the confidence in yourself to, to just achieve something that you, that you typically want to achieve, man. There's not really much that can stop you other than yourself, you know?
Right. Not stifling your creativity, giving yourself the platform to actually reach for that. You know, right. everyone has said their story, but it's you who can say it in a way that only you can. So it's yep. something you got to reach for, for sure. But yeah. One question before we start wrapping up. Um, I know we talked a, little, a bit about, you know, shows wanting to do them, the itch for it. And I'm not saying that you have to put anything in, in stone or anything, but do you have in mind like the first set or maybe like the first song that you're going to play on your first show back? Oh yeah. We, 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 we practice, we practice that. Like we, we practice as if we're at a show. So even though there's no one watching us practice, we pretend, you know, I'll be all, Hey, you back there, like with the beer, you know, yeah, stupid <laughs> shit like that. You're like, putting yourself in the moment, man. Yeah, exactly. To. Like we're playing to our imaginary friends, really. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Like we make each other laugh and stuff, but even, even when you say that, like talking like that, you see us just start getting into it. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's good, man. Like it's kind of like when you're, uh, when you're hyping yourself up in front of a mirror when no one's around, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah. we're, we're doing that you're essentially, but, yeah. but with, yeah, with five of us in total. So, uh, yeah, we, we've practiced our set list. So we, we definitely, uh, have a uh, song in my well it's going to be placentipede that's that's the main song that we uh keep saying we're going to open with so it'd be really funny if i decided like on the spot like we're gonna do this song it's like a completely <laughs> different song right? <laughs> but it's one everybody. of those things where you know everyone's so tight we'd be able to to pull it off right so oh yeah man dude what a fuck i can't like i just i can't after all of this like my yeah, brain needs a second <laughs> just to like press pause and yeah. just take in everything. Um, Chris, thank you so fucking much uh, for, for, for joining us and for being episode uh, official episode number four. Um, any plugs, anything that you would like to plug uh, before we, uh, before we end it? Um, yeah, just like, you know, with, with the band, of course, uh, if, if everyone listening can check out cryptic mutation, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel, actually, like going back on, on uh, the pandemic stuff, like on how we're limited to doing stuff. Uh, we're not the greatest YouTubers, considering that we're barely going to start this off. Uh, but we're going to start doing more content based stuff on YouTube yeah. uh, that not necessarily has like nothing but to do with the with, with the music, but just, you know, stories in general. Like we're going to yeah. go ahead and try and tap into to like our everyday life, you know, while being in the band and stuff. So we're going to try and make something cool out of it. Uh, but yeah, definitely. If, uh, if everyone can check out the band, we do, our album does release May 7th. We're on Bandcamp, Like I said, cryptic with two K's like K R. Well, I can't even spell the name cryptic. <laughs> K R Y uh, P T I K and then mutation. Uh, and then, uh, you know, of course, uh, anyone interested in, uh, checking out my, my shop uh lionheart tattoos myself and oliver davila own this this shop now um we uh we're on instagram like each each, each of my individual each of my individual artists there have their own instagram but of course you can check out the shop page uh just at lionheart tattoo talents on instagram and uh yeah those are pretty much the two plugs that i'd love for people to check out um and hopefully uh get the support uh especially for the band because like i said that's like the the current um the current dream project that we've been uh working hard for and and since like i said we haven't been able to play shows uh it's been it's been a slow process trying to get uh people you know yeah. to notice us but yeah we're, we're working on it so 
dude yeah. Yeah. but to see that come to fruition to see the fruits of your labor actually being like yeah. realized and actualized it's incredible man yeah. listener do yourself a favor check out killer instinct check out the doom eternal soundtrack check out all of chris's things it's insane you will love it for sure oh, yeah. for sure uh so on that note we have your permission to play placentipede on the way out yeah Fuck yeah, I told Vicente that he couldn't listen to it until the podcast. So there you go. Oh yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh Placentipede by Cryptic Mutation. dare you i dare you to go listen to breaking benjamin right now like i just fucking <laughs> dare you man <laughs> yeah man and yeah that was a placentipede man so it's one track out of eight and uh it's short simple and punchy and just man it's like i said we worked pretty hard on it and uh definitely uh i'm looking forward to other people checking out the whole album when it's out yeah may yeah. 7th that's the day that's the day uh um, your calendar Chris, once again, thank you so much. So we appreciate it so fucking much. Uh, We've been the Local Lingual Podcast. I'm Christopher Collins. And I'm Vicente Lopez. Thank you so much for supporting us. Look forward to future episodes. But again, check Chris out. Go to his plugs. You will not regret it. Cryptic Mutation, check them out. Please do yourself a favor. That was sick. I can't (laughs) wait. Thanks, guys. Later. All right. We out of here.